0: Um, So in light of what we've seen and heard, um, I want to close by just focusing our attention on God's word and having him speak to us um, and us to listen. So one assumption um, before we look at Romans uh, chapter 10, um, Tyler read it earlier, but one assumption, Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we're assuming that that's true. We've got good news. If you've got good news, you want to share it. And everybody needs this news. So with that assumption in mind, um, turn again to Romans chapter 9. Uh, it's going to be pretty simple, straightforward, clear this morning. Uh, focused on, again, how do we respond, some application Um, But let's read this passage again and consider it. It's on 946, I think, in the Pew Bible if you're using that. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, so this is proof that all of Jesus' claims were true, if he didn't raise from the dead, then we're wasting our time. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 if Christ is not raised, we are above all people most to be pitied. We're just wasting our lives, especially if we suffer for Jesus. What in the world are we doing that for? But if God raised him from the dead, that changes everything, and all of it is true, and that has all kinds of implications for our lives. So if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we're saved. So this is not some, you know, magical, mechanical formula. If you just mouth words, this is a heart-level belief, miraculous relational transaction where we are given peace with God um, because of the gospel. So the gospel is accessible. You don't have to climb to heaven to make it happen. You can confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You see your need for a Savior. You see your sin. You see that Jesus alone can save you from your sin, and you trust in him. And it's certain you will be saved because, verse 10, with the heart one believes and is justified, made right with God, reconciled to God. So in the courtroom before the judge, rather than condemnation and guilt and judgment, we have pardon and freedom and reconciliation. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame because there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no distinction. And the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Because, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, which is really cool that this is being applied to Jesus. This is a quote from Joel chapter 2, and it's Yahweh, it's God, that we'll call upon in Joel 2, and here it's applied to Jesus, because Jesus is God the Son. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, will be saved. So it's inclusive. It's for everyone, all who call on his name, anyone, everyone. But it's also exclusive. There's only one Savior. There's one message. There's one way. So again, back to the flow of thought here. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? Think of all these unreached peoples in Africa. That's just Africa let alone the rest of the 1040 window? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So if they're not sent, just turn it around. Flip it backwards. If they're not sent, they won't preach among those who have not heard. And if they don't preach, how are they to hear? If they don't hear, how are these folks going to believe? And if they don't believe, how are they going to call on him? And if they don't call on him, how are they going to be saved? You see the progression there. So the passage is pretty straightforward. It's not that hard to understand. The question is whether or not it's going to weigh on us. Does it weigh on us? How much does this matter to us? How much is it influencing how we live? How much does it actually concern us? So the eternal souls of your neighbors and the nations, these unreached peoples, matters infinitely more than what's going on in Washington right now or North Korea. Well, actually, this is what really matters about North Korea is (laughs) them hearing the gospel. What's going on in Hollywood or in the stock market or on Twitter or on Snapchat or on YouTube or on Facebook or on Netflix. This matters infinitely more than what's going on in all those Media outlets. So how much does it matter to you? How much does it matter to me? So we've got three values as a church. This hits on two of them. The gospel. If that matters to us, then this matters to us. Because if we are so thankful that we've been rescued from hell and we have eternal life now and fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore in the presence of God forever. How can we not want that for our neighbors and for the nations? So our third value is mission. So this is obviously in God's heart. Our God is a missionary God. God the Father demonstrating his love, seeking worshipers by sending his Son. God the Son coming to seek and save the lost, dying that we might live. God the Spirit calling people out of darkness into light, making them new. This is what God's doing. So it's not going to happen without witnesses. So is this what we are doing? Are we involved? Are you involved? Am I involved? So this is it. Five quick ways. How do I get involved? How can I be involved? Five ways. This isn't exhaustive, but these are five key ones. So first, prayer. Um, Greg and Karen had uh, Matthew 9, 38. There's a parallel passage in Luke 10, 2. Some of you have an alarm that goes off at 10, 02. My phone, every day. Goes off, 1002, to pray, Lord of the harvest, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. They mentioned how the workers are few. To go to Chad where they're like, come on, come on in. So beseech the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up workers, send out workers into the harvest field. So one of the ways that we can be evolved is praying. So set an alarm on your phone. You can make it 938 if you want. P.M. or A.M. or whatever, but let's pray that the Lord would do this. You can start praying for a people group. Maybe you should pray for the Kanembu in Chad. You can go to joshuaproject.net and learn about all the peoples that are yet unreached. There are a ton of resources on that site. So the tagline on that site is bringing definition to the unfinished task. We sung about that earlier. You can click on the pray tab, joshuaproject.net. And you can get Unreached People of the Day, you could subscribe to that and find out every day. So just this morning, I downloaded the Joshua Project Unreached app. And so every day, I'm going to learn about a new people group. Today, it's the um, Sudanese Arabs in Egypt. And so at this point, they've got the New Testament. They don't have the Old Testament yet, but they've got the New Testament They've got the Jesus film, like all kinds of great stuff that you can learn about them, and you can pray. So first way to do this is let's pray. Maybe your community group would adopt a people group and start praying. And pray until that people's reached. Like, do you believe that your prayers could actually be used by God to reach these people groups? I know there's, we we had this one little book as a family, it was for kids and I remember praying for, you know, these people groups in this thing, and then the lady that gave us this booklet or told us about this booklet sent us a, later, a letter years later and said, they've been reached. Like, we got to have a part in reaching the unreached. That was so cool. Got to share that with the kids. So, pray. Second, share. Share the gospel. Like, if you're a Christian, you're a witness. So, Lots of texts like this. Walk in wisdom, Colossians 4, toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how how you ought to answer each person. So this is the Great Commission ought to weigh on all of us. It's not just for the professionals, okay? All of us go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Um, If we're going to be concerned about the nations, we've got to first be concerned about our neighbors. Otherwise, we're just hypocrites. So, global concern, global prayer, yes, but local action. Pray globally, act, local, act locally, to kind of change the expression. Um, so, a few phrases that have stuck with me over the years. Proximity means accountability. And then the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest, nearest home. So, are you intimidated by sharing your faith? Are you afraid? Okay, fine. Fine. Listen to what Jesus said before he ascended. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Think God can make you sufficient for this task? So pray, share, give really quickly. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you can actually give and watch your heart get more concerned about the gospel getting to the nations. Don't lay up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Pray, share, give, forth, send. So, again, we're not all going to go to some hot African country, but we all ought to be involved in sending. If you have a particular burden, maybe you want to jump on the missions team. Maybe you want to jump on the team that's preparing for the upcoming conference in April. And if so, Laurie, can you raise your hand? Brett, can you raise your hand? Dwight, can you raise your hand? Talk to one of those three about missions team involvement, ongoing, or conference team prep involvement, um, and the work of sending. You can look up third John one, five to eight and read about it there. And then finally go. I am praying that the Lord will call some of us, maybe some of our young people, to go in answer to Luke ten two or Matthew nine, thirty-eight. Harvest is plenty of the workers are few. Send out workers. So a couple of quick lines here that have stuck with me again that I've heard from various sources and just encourage you to ponder this and then we're going to pray and we're just going to be done (laughs) given our time here but um, we're all going to die the only question is whether you're going to die in a manner that bears much fruit and better to lose your life than waste it so better to take a risk and lose lose your life, lose your comfort, lose your reputation whatever than waste it comfortable. We're all going to die. It's just a matter of what kind of death you're going to die. One that bears much fruit, dying daily, like we've been talking about in 2 Corinthians, or trying to save your comfort and you won't bear any fruit that lasts for eternity. So if you, again, sense God stirring some kind of a calling to be involved, again, you could talk to Greg and Karen. They've got Lots of wisdom to share. Dwight and Miriam as well. Um, talk to them. Colleen Kasky. So that's it. That's what I've got. Straightforward, but God can do the work. So let's close in prayer and ask that he would do the work. Father, the gospel is such good news and it's really easy for us to get focused on all kinds of other things and get dull and even pretty much indifferent to the gospel in our hearts and in our daily lives. And so, Lord, where we are cold, where we are dull, would you please revive us? And even this Christmas season, as we consider the coming of Christ, I pray that you would torch the ice in our hearts and awaken such passion for the gospel that we would be so thrilled that you did everything that you did In order to save us, I pray that we would experience the goodness of the good news, that we would be thrilled about it, that we would love Jesus and treasure him, and that we wouldn't be able to keep silent about what we've experienced. And Lord, I also pray that you would take this little group, our little church, with all of our weaknesses, and that you would use us in a way completely out of proportion with who we are. Because even though we are weak, you are strong, and we long to see you put your power on display through us. So would you, the Lord of the harvest, raise up and send out workers from us into your harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So please do it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you go to make disciples, may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Go in peace. You're dismissed.